had he miraculously taken the pain away, I wouldn't have learned any lessons in that. And I had to feel the pain in order to learn the lesson to know not to go back to that. That that road is one of death and pain and suffering. Welcome to Along the Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me on my journey as I try to become more like Jesus every day. I love when I have the opportunity to talk with fascinating people and learn how God has met them along their way. I believe that everyone has a story and we can all learn from their journey. Through my work as a television producer, I get to interact with some of the most amazing people making an incredible impact for God's kingdom. In this program, I aim to identify, verify, and amplify the lessons that I've learned from others into my life, and hopefully you benefit from it too. On this episode of Along the Way, my journey connects me with Dan Perkins, the North Braddock campus pastor of Bridge City Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Dan, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks so much for giving your time to be with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, John. I appreciate it. I'm calling this program Along the Way, Mm -hmm. and... It's based off of the story of the Emmaus Road, Mm -hmm. and I love listening to people's life stories and seeing how, just like on the road to Emmaus, how the disciples were walking with Jesus the whole time, but they didn't realize that it was Jesus until much later, and they looked back and they said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he was revealing the scriptures to us along the way? Mm -hmm. I want to hear your story, but also what are some of those moments that God has become so, so real to you? that you look back and you say, wow, I can't believe that God was right there with me. Yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a lot of stories like that. Uh, you know, um, you know, my background, my story, just in general, uh, deals with just knowing God along the way. And so, you know, you, my background starts when I was nine years old, and I was, uh, you know, sexually abused by a neighbor, introduced to pornography at a really, really early age. And, uh, you know that led to to some really deep insecurities that I was uh you know spent most of my adult life trying to cover up through the use of of drugs and alcohol uh, My drug use started when I was about eleven years old. I was introduced to uh uh crystal meth um, out in San Diego uh, where I lived at the time, and that led to a, you know about seventeen years of of addiction and so just to fact that I'm standing here, um, or sitting here rather, uh, you know, uh, alive and well, um, speaks to how God just preserved my life through that, through that time, even though, you know, I wasn't, you know, acknowledging him or living for him or anything like that. And so, you know, that, that path took me down to, you know, a very, very dark road for, for a very long time. And, uh, How how did you get started with drugs? Like what led you to the, to that at the beginning? Yeah, so I was I was hanging out with a, a friend of mine uh, who had older brothers and their friends, and, and they were really into drugs. And so, um, you know, we wanted to be like them. We looked up to them. I needed to find a way to be able to fit in with them and also live within my own skin, you know. And so um, my drug use was just a, a symptom of my insecurities. It's the only way that I ever felt comfortable uh, enough uh, with myself that I could be around other people. You said uh, you needed to do that to feel comfortable enough to live within your own skin. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean? 
Yeah, so I mean, you know, I just, I never thought I was good enough. I never thought I was good looking enough. I was smart enough. I ever, you know, people never really liked me for who I was. And so um, I needed uh, a chemical, uh, you know, a, a mind and mood altering substance in order to be okay with myself. I was never able to just even sit and be by myself without some some chemical um, that would alter my state of mind in order to be uh, me. So you saw these older kids doing drugs, mm-hmm. and when you started it, you said, hey, this actually kind of helps me with what I'm feeling already. Yeah, it gave me confidence. You know, it definitely gave me self-confidence and allowed me to, you know, just be able to interact with people what I considered on a normal basis, even though it was probably really abnormal. But it, to us, it was normal. And so it was really the only way um, I was able to to just even be around other people and feel comfortable enough to to open up and just to talk and have conversations. So so where did things turn for you? Because you said 17 years of addiction mm-hmm. from a time of 11 mm-hmm. till 17, uh, for 17 years. That's, that's a good length of your life. Yes. What, what happened? What led you to saying, I'm, I'm, this is not the life I want to lead anymore? Yeah, so eventually, I mean, I, I got hooked on uh, Xanax and then I got hooked on uh, Oxycontin which uh, became too expensive, which eventually led me to, to using heroin. And I started using heroin uh, intravenously. Um, and so, you know, that's a, a, a really rough life to live. It's a, that's a hard life. And so I would go through periods where I'd have drugs and I'd be okay. And then through, you know, intense times of sickness when I, when I wouldn't have anything. Um, but eventually what got me to see there was another way to live was when I was, uh, introduced to uh, a girl, uh, named Amy, who I actually used to party with and and do drugs with, um, before, like right out of high school. Um, and, uh, she got saved. She got clean. Um, and I ran into her about 10 years later after she had already gotten clean um, and she invited me out to lunch and, you know, I immediately saw that there was something different about her, that that wasn't the same girl that, that I partied with. And so, um, we started meeting for lunch and just started asking questions and, and things like that. And so that piqued my curiosity. Uh, I wasn't ready, uh, right then and there, but, um, you know, she actually started inviting me to Bible studies and, you know, I started opening my Bible and reading my Bible on my own. Um, even though I was still getting high, I was <laughs> I was reading my Bible, um, and so um, you know that started. You know, God was nudging me in that direction. Mm. Now, you you told me earlier that at one point you were actually homeless because of your addiction. Yes, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that, and what, yeah. were, what were you feeling? Oh, so I mean, I was feeling terrible about myself. Really, I mean, you know, living in Pittsburgh in your car. Uh, during winter with That's not even enough money to buy gas to start it to to heat it get any heat is a is a rough existence and so um I, and that, there was a period i lived in uh i lived in a, a pizza shop that i was working at i lived in the in the office did they know that you were living in the office uh the the, the workers did um but you know the higher ups didn't and so it was it was a game of cat and mouse oh my gosh so the addiction was in that much control of your life until you met this girl, Amy. Mm-hmm. You know, she uh, walked with me through my addiction. Eventually, it came out that I was an addict, um, and we were we were dating already, and it came out that I was an addict. And so she walked me through 
that whole process. And, that, you know, that was, that's a messy process. You know, it's easy for us to sit back, um, you know, now and, and talk about it. But when you're in the middle of it, and, you know, like I'm sure some of your listeners would be, um, when you're in the middle of it, it's a, it's a very messy process. I mean, there's a lot of lies, a lot of manipulation, um, you know, her codependency, uh, everything is it's it's a hard process it's a messy process um but you know with god's grace the end result can can be amazing yeah we'll come back to that in a second but you mm-hmm. something you said made me made me wonder you said you realized that you were an, an, an addict mm-hmm. you realized that you were an addict and so before that what did you look at yourself as just a, a just user a, just, yeah just somebody who liked to have a good time i mean yeah. for the longest time until probably um, maybe 22, 23 when I started getting addicted to, to Xanax. Um, never really thought I had an issue. Um, just wanted to have a good time. I just wanted to fit in. Everybody I hung out with did the same exact things I did. So to me, that was just normal life. That's just the way we lived. We lived, you know, every day. And so um, there was really nothing you know, out of the ordinary about our lives, because that's what we were surrounded by. That's what we lived in. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not somebody that's ever dabbled with drugs or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I know addiction is something that everybody deals with. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned codependency was an issue that that Amy really dealt with. Um, You know, I've got my Mm -hmm. own issues and things that maybe I'm addicted to something that Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe I consider myself a user. But what are some of those ways that you can say, am I really addicted about this? And if so, then how do I get help? I mean, the be- the biggest thing is is if you try to stop and you can't. I mean, if you look at pornography and just the, the statistics on that, and, you know, it's, it's you know, high even w- within the church. Um, and so, you know, if you keep going back to it and back to it and you f- keep feeling shame and guilt, shame and guilt, but yet you still keep going back to it, that's a, pr- a pretty big sign that, that you have a problem. Um, also, does it does it, how bad does it interrupt and disrupt your life? You know, is it causing issues in your normal life, your everyday life? If it's causing issues either with a spouse or your parents or your job or you know your finances, if it's interrupting and disrupting those things, um, then it's a pretty good sign that you you probably have a problem. You know, and that goes with anything: um, food, uh, you know, drugs, alcohol, uh, you know pornography, sex, anything like that. So if it's any sort of thing that you can't break on your own, there's a pretty good chance that you have a problem. That's a that's really helpful um, to be able to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll try to provide some, in the show notes, I'll try to provide some ways that uh, I'll get from you to help people understand more about whether they might be addicted and also how to get help. Mm-hmm. But Dan, how did you get help with this, with uh, your addictions? I mean, you know, I, I, there was a lot of people praying for me. Um, like I said, I was going to Bible studies. I was, you know, kind of in, uh, involved with, with some spiritual things. Uh, but basically, it was eventually, I realized I had to get help when Amy cut me out of her life. When she finally had enough and said, you know what, this is, this is enough. I, I can't deal with this anymore. This is, you're beyond anything that I can handle, you know, and you, you, You've you've crossed the line, and, and I just can't go down that r- road with you any further. And so when that happened, I realized, you know what, this is 
I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired too. And so that's when I decided to check myself into rehab. So that was, that was pretty serious that you, you needed, you knew that you needed help outside of what you could do. Yeah. I had tried rehab one time before. Um, I had even gone, gone to a halfway house, but, um, you know, I checked myself out and, you know, I stayed clean for probably about a week and then uh, went right back to it, and, and it got worse than it had ever been. And that's when Amy finally was like, I, I can't do this no more. And so I had tried to go down this road before, um, but I don't know. When The second time when I checked myself in the rehab, when Amy actually drove me there, she said, you know, I remember when I was getting out of the car, she said, don't ever call me again. And uh, But I knew going into it that something about this was different, like something about this time I knew was going to just be a changing point in my life. And um, when I checked myself in that second time and I got a bed um, is when I finally surrendered my life to God. And, uh, you know, when I went in there, I refused all medications. I refused all drugs, um, you know, to help ease the pain. Uh, the only thing I did take was anti-seizure medications because coming off of Xanax uh, can give you grandma seizures. And what kind of seizures? Grandma. It's G-R-A-N-M-A-L. I believe that's oh, how you spell it. Oh, not grandmother's seizures. Yeah, no, okay. no, no, no. But, you know, it's very serious coming off of, of sure. drugs like that, benzodiazepines and alcohol and things like that. And I do recommend always doing that under the medical supervision of people because, you know, there's some serious consequences and side effects that can happen when you just suddenly stop taking medication. And so... Um, you know, I, I refused all drugs and I was in so much pain and so much suffering, um, but I, I knew I had to go through it. And I knew I could get through it because I was surrendering my life to Jesus. And uh, it was a hard road to take, but I finally got to a place where I was ready to surrender. So where were you when you finally felt like you surrendered? I was uh, I, so I surrendered my life on the floor of a rehabilitation facility, you know, and just I just got down. I said, I'm done. I said, if you don't do this, God, then, you know, I'm done. I'm I'm going to probably go back out here, use drugs and die. And I said, oh, wow. but, you know, my life is yours. And so you you need to you need to take over because I, I can't do this anymore. So you realized that with your drug use that death was a very likely probability. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's around you all the time and you know, it's a very uh it's a, a fact of life. And so I knew that, you know, I could very easily go out and use drugs and you know, overdose. That's just, you know, that's just a gamble you take every time you use. Wow. So but the most important thing you you, you did was you surrendered. Yeah. And could, can you just explain a little bit more about surrender? Because you, oftentimes when people try to go into something and they try to do it themselves, they mm -hmm. go into a rehab or they want to make changes in their life and they try to do it by their own strength, that's where like New Year's resolutions really fall flat on their face by mm -hmm. mid-January most of the time. Yeah. What is the difference between surrender for you than just tenaciousness? Well, so, I mean, most people, the, the confusion becomes for people is that Surrendering means that I don't put in forth any effort. There's still effort in surrender. And so, and so really what I was doing was surrendering my will and saying, okay, I'm not going to live by my own will. 
but God, I'm, I know what your will is. I know it's not for me to use drugs, so all my effort is going to go into pouring myself into accomplishing your will, which for me right now is to stay clean and to go, get through this. And so um, surrendering was just saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to live my way anymore, God. I'm going to live your way. But that still takes effort. There's still effort in surrendering and, and putting effort into, you know, living for God and, you know, not doing that. So that's, that's where I see most people getting hung up is they think, well, when, when I surrender, then I don't have to do anything. Uh, well, no, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, surrender is an, active, yeah. is an active thing to do. Absolutely. It's not passive. It's definitely not passive. You know, I, I, I see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he's praying, not my will, but your will be done. That wasn't passive. That he, he, there was actions that he still needed to take in order to accomplish God's will. Wow, that's so good. That's really insightful. Um, so yeah, take me take me back to you're surrendering your life to Christ on that mm-hmm. floor, and your your life has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what is what did God speak to you? Like, what did you feel at that moment? I felt very. Uh, I felt a lot of pain. I felt a lot of suffering. I was extremely sick. I made a lot of people nervous. I made a lot of my counselors nervous because they looked at me and they said, you need to take some form of medication. And I I refused. And they just said, you're really scaring us because, you know, I was just, you know, 17 years of hardcore drug abuse takes a toll on your mind. It takes a toll on your body. Um, And I, you know, I knew that God could take that away from me if he wanted to. But um, I knew he kind of didn't want me to. I, I know. Excuse me. I knew he didn't want to. I knew. I knew he didn't want to take away my pain and suffering. He actually wanted me to go through it, because had he had he just miraculously changed me, you know what I mean, or you know taken the pain away, I wouldn't have learned any lessons in that. And I had to feel the pain in order to learn the lesson to know not to go back to that. That that road is one of death. And pain and suffering. So God speaking to you in that moment was kind of not necessarily like an audible thing, but you just knew that God wanted you to go through something so that God wanted you to go through this journey of recovery. I experienced, I experienced God in my pain and suffering in a way that I never could have had he taken it all away. Mm. I, I, wow. I realized that I had to be totally reliant on him for everything. Wow. And so it was in that that I experienced God on such a deep and intimate level that it did radically change me, even in the midst of my pain, even in the midst of suffering and being so anxious and so scared and all those things. It drove me deeper into his presence than had he just taken that all away. Wow. That's that's dynamic. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes God lets us go through things so that we're stronger. Amen. Uh, you know, I I I experienced him in a way that you know maybe few people have, but you know a lot of people have probably experienced him that way more more than maybe some let on. But you know, I experienced him in such a way that it really has still carried with me. You know, ten years later. I mean, it, it, it really shaped the dynamic of my relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. in such a way that it's, it's never really changed. Because um, was, God was very real to me in those moments. 
he was just very real um, in a way that I, I think he wouldn't have been for me had he taken that all away. Mm. Well, I, I want to talk about your relationship with Jesus a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you really submitted your life to Jesus on the floor of a rehab center, but you're not in that place anymore. Praise mm-hmm. the Lord. Amen. So how did Jesus reveal to you your purpose? So very early on, I was praying before I even knew that God spoke and, and you know, all those, what a word was or, you know, all those things. Uh, before um, I had even that basic understanding, uh, I was praying uh, face down on the floor and I was asking God, what do you want from me? What do you want from my life? What do you want me to do? And I heard him very clearly say, preach, which to, you know, an addict just getting clean who's so nervous and anxious, you know, he can't even have a conversation with a stranger. The thought of me getting on a stage and preaching to people was absolutely ludicrous. I mean, it was it was just so I, I was just like, OK, <laughs> you just kind of laugh at your laugh at yourself at that point and think like, OK, that maybe that wasn't God. Um, <laughs> but I knew it was. And that was the the, the weird thing. And so um, I kind of just put that, you know, on the back burner for a while, um, you know, put that in the back of my head was like, OK, you know, preach. Yeah. What, what, what does that even mean? And so um, but that was the first time I heard him spoke. And it's only until, you know, a couple years ago that really that word started to come to fruition and it started to come to life. And, I, you know, I can look back on my life and I can see how God, you know, very systematically uh, was training me to get to that point. What are some of the steps that, uh, well, let's look at the first step. What was the first mm-hmm. practical step that, that God allowed you to take? Yeah, one thing was, was first of all, hooking me up with the church that allowed me to, to, to just serve in, 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 a, you know, in a great capacity. And so we hopped in at Kids Connection. Uh, which is our kids' ministry. How long were you clean at this time? Uh, probably a couple years. I mean, a couple years clean. Um, I was a part of the Celebrate Recovery, um, and so I was leading a, 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 an open share group uh, in that, which is our small group. So I was I was leading in that, and I was... What is uh, Celebrate Recovery for people that might not understand? So Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered uh, recovery program. It's a 12-step program, just like uh, any other 12-step program, really based on uh, the eight recovery principles, which are the Beatitudes of Jesus Christ. Um, and, uh, you know, we're like any other 12-step program, except that we say our one and only higher power is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do say that recovery is possible, that you're no longer identified by your hurt, your habit, or your hang-up. Your, your identity is found in Jesus Christ. And, and we believe that in Jesus Christ, recovery is promised. That if you, you know, if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, he has promised you recovery. And so that is, you know, a very special thing, I think, for a lot of people to come in and hear that, that, you know, in Christ, um, it's all promises. The, the promises are yes and amen, amen in Christ. Amen. So um, I've, I've been to a couple of the Celebrate Recovery meetings here, and mm-hmm. I, I've always appreciated the way that people introduce themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, could you just kind of explain a little bit about that? Yeah, so the way I would always introduce myself is I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggled with drug addiction. In the past. It's, it's the past tense. It's past tense because that's not my struggle right now. Um, you know what I mean? That That's not who I am. You know what I mean? I, I, I no longer let my addiction define who I am. I let Jesus Christ do that, and that's my identity is found as a son. That's so powerful. That's something that I, I know that I need to remem- uh, remind myself and remember 
uh, on a regular basis that I am first a son of God mm-hmm. um, who struggles with um, pride, who struggles with um, eating too much, who mm-hmm. struggles with being lazy or um, you know all these other things that we deal with. It's great to know that God is the one that we find our identity in through mm-hmm. Jesus. So he is, he is. He's the one we find our identity in. He's the one we find our purpose. He's the one where we find our freedom. It's all found in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. So back to what, we, what you were saying before. I interrupted you to talk uh, to put a shameless plug in for Celebrate Recovery. Uh, but let, actually, let's continue the shameless plug. How does somebody yeah. get involved with Celebrate Recovery? Yeah, so, I mean, you could go on the on the website, CelebrateRecovery.com. Um, you can find a meeting uh, listed in your community. Uh, we are all throughout the, the 50 states. Um, and so um, I'm also the, the state rep uh, for Celebrate Recovery here in the Pittsburgh area for, I think, about five counties uh, in the Pittsburgh area. Um, and we also have one here at our, our local church here at Bridge City Church. It's, very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of speaking of church... Um, you said you jumped in, uh, you and uh, Amy. You and Amy, who yeah, you eventually did get married. Yeah, eventually, yeah, we did get married uh, after I had a, a year of sobriety. Um, she agreed to marry me, um, which uh, was, you know, just a very joyful occasion. It was, you know, amazing. That's the one person. Amy's the one person um, that I really know. Well, her and my parents that knew me when I was an addict and know me now. You know, a lot of people in the church and everything like that, they know they know uh, me as, you know, clean, a believer, uh, you know, honest, you know, a man full of character and integrity. And, um, you know, so she has really seen the transformation of God unfold. That's so cool. Uh, but, yeah, we, 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 we became members here at Bridge City Church, uh, which at the time was Word and Worship Church. They asked us to join the the kids' ministry, and so we we hopped in, and suddenly I found myself teaching uh, kids, which, um, you know, is great preparation. At the time, I didn't know what was going on, but looking back at it, it's absolutely great preparation because you're taking these complex subjects— you know, like who is Jesus? Like, you know, what is sin? Who is God? Mm-hmm. You know, all these complex subjects, and you have to make it understandable for for a ten year old. And so, you know, I was taking all these these ideas and breaking them down in such a way that I could explain them to a ten year old, which is such great training ground to becoming a preacher. So you, know, you had to you had to know that material a lot better. Oh, absolutely. To, ex- to help that, explain it, that and just even having to verbalize it. You know, and being able to articulate it and to be able to stand up in front of people and be able to speak in front of people. And then, uh, you know, as I was doing that, then all of a sudden I started teaching at Celebrate Recovery, um, started teaching the recovery steps and the recovery principles. And so, you know, I had a platform there. And so, you know, looking back over my life, I could see how he would just, you know, very systematically was putting me in different positions in order to get me to a place where, uh, you know, I am now, where I'm a pastor. I preach, you know, you know, almost every Sunday. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, he, when he called me to be a preacher, he, he meant it, <laughs> yeah. whether I thought it was ridiculous or not. Uh, what was the most difficult step that you had to take into becoming a, a pastor? I mean, the most difficult. So, you know, when I got clean and, you know, when I was married, I went back uh, to school. I was working full time. I went to school full time. So I I finished my bachelor's degree 
in uh, in business. And so, you know, I, I've worked my way up in, in, in the corporate ladder. You know, there was extreme favor of God that was all my life. You know, I, I attribute it to nothing else but the favor of God. So I had a really, you know, high-paying position. I was on track, um, you know, to, you know, be manager executive all these all these different things and so we had this picture and vision for our our life um that wasn't being a pastor um that was your own picture that was our own vision that was our own picture that's what you know that's just what we knew that's what we thought we were working towards and so you were you were happy serving in the church absolutely ministry celebrate recovery absolutely i thought when when i took over celebrate recovery i took over the ministry and celebrate recovery i thought that was my calling i thought that Mm -hmm. was my purpose i thought i i I would be content doing this the rest of my life you know but you know working in the in the corporate world and so when we started to hear the call and you know other people started approaching me and saying you know what I, i think you know you're called to be a pastor um, you know, there was some difficult financial decisions that we had yeah. to make and just even decisions about our life. That's a completely different, you know, it's a 180 turn from what we thought, um, we wanted for our lives. And so that was probably the hardest decision was just actually making the decision to be a pastor and leaving everything that we thought our life was going to be and yeah. making that sacrifice. So are you glad that you've done it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would have no – we would – both Amy and myself wouldn't have it any other way. I mean there's just something about being in the will of God, being in – you know, fulfilling God's call in your life and that you find such a joy and such a peace in it uh, even when it's hard. You, knowing that you're fulfilling God's call is, is just the most amazing feeling in the world. Uh, I've got a question on here that I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could talk to yourself in the past, what version of yourself would you talk to and what would you tell yourself? Yeah, I probably would go back before, uh, you know, when I was about 10 years old and I would warn him of the dangers that he's getting himself into. You know, I would probably tell him that, you know what, you know what, God is enough to give you the confidence that you need and stop trying to, stop trying to fulfill yourself with with chemicals <laughs> i mean That's you know good. i did yeah. I, i'd probably smack him a little bit too and say <laughs> knock it off but you know i would i would definitely tell him like hey listen like there's a different life there's a different way you can live there's another there's another road you can take one that leads to to eternal life that's good that's good i mean uh, I, i'm i'm gonna guess that that was i was gonna guess that that was uh where you would where you would take yourself and say wake up little dan wake yeah, up yeah well yeah yeah doing some sh- some hard talking to yeah know, shaking you know for for myself how do you suggest that you know you, you've had some detours in your life you've had some bumps and bruises mm-hmm. and some holes in the road along along your journey but um like what would what advice would you give to me about uh, avoiding those detours in life the same thing I would tell anybody, which is get into your word. What was that again? Get into the word. Get into the word of God. I mean, before before I even got clean, before I even knew what I was doing, I was in the word of God and I was reading the word of God and then the word of God was getting in me and then it started producing faith in me. Even before I knew what that stuff was. And so I haven't changed that. And so... You know, if I really want to avoid the detours in my life, 
I got to be in my word. I got to be praying and I got to be connected to Jesus because, you know, when, when, when I'm really following him and I'm living according to his word and I'm putting the biblical principles into my everyday life, I avoid all those details because he orders my steps. I could be confident that when I'm in his word and I'm doing everything that he's asking me to do, that I'm on the right path. Even though sometimes God's way looks like a detour, mm. he's a master orchestrator. I mean, if I look at the, my life, I could see how he was orchestrating everything and conducting everything in order to bring me to the place I am now. So, you know, reading the Bible and getting into God's word is really important. What's mm. A life verse that you have, or what's a what's a passage of scripture that has really impacted your life that comes out to you right away? Yeah, I mean it's Titus. It's found in Titus, I believe it's Titus three four. Um, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared towards man, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I mean, that to me is just beautiful. Just absolutely beautiful, because it wasn't really based on who I was, it's based on who he is. Mm. It's that surrender again. It is, and it's just like, you know, Jesus Christ is the mercy of God, and he appeared towards all men in order to cause us to be born again with a renewing and a regeneration through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that verse, those verses are just so rich with, with everything that I experienced in Christ, which is just mercy, renewal, regeneration, and outpouring of his Holy Spirit and love based on how good he is and not how good I was. Because if, if it would have been based on me and how I was living my life, I would have been condemned to hell. Mm. What is your key motivation to keep going when life is difficult? So, I mean, there's a couple of th- different things that I really, you know, I coach myself. I preach to myself a lot. Um, and so, you know, Amy is a good person that I talk to. And we just talk about, we just remind ourselves that this is what God has called us to do. And we have just decided in our life that we're going to do everything that God has asked us to do, even when it gets difficult. And so we encourage one another, we, we push one another, we, we challenge one another, but we know that one day we're going to have to stand before God and give an account of our life. Mm. And we never want to get there and him have, have him say, you know, I asked you to do this. Why didn't you do it? Wow. Because we won't have an answer. We'll have a bunch of excuses, but not an answer. Yeah, I don't even think looking into the face of Jesus will be able to get the excuses out. Because we'll just know right then and there. I mean, it's not that, it's not that you know, he's going to condemn us. He's not going to take away, you know, we're, he's not going to take away our salvation. But you know what? I, I, I just couldn't see having that conversation. Like, I asked you to do something. Why didn't you do it? And, mm. and me saying, because I didn't feel like it or it was too difficult was just never an acceptable answer. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's really not. <laughs> <laughs> because I was more comfortable, you know, sitting on my couch watching TV. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, how do you apply God's revelation to your daily life? I let it change and transform me. 
I let the I let the revelation that God has given me through His Word renew my mind. And so that means even in all the conversations I'm having and all the interactions I'm having uh, with people, that means that means I'm now, you know, a city on a hill. And I let light, Christ's light shine through my life to everybody I encounter. At least that's what I try to do. That's good. You know what I mean? I, I, I allow it to make every day count. So every day to me is a mission. Whether that's in my family, with my wife, or with my kids, or with the church that God has called me to lead, um, or whether that's just going to the grocery store. Yeah, that, that made a lot of sense there, Dan. Um, what book would you recommend that would impact my life? There are so many. There are so many. Um, so right now I'm reading uh, two books. Um, one's devotional, one's more um, leadership-wise. Um, so I'm reading The Incarnation of God. Uh, and it just is really deep uh, about the person of Christ and who he is and how um, our relationship to the Father is found through him. And so it's really it's a really beautiful book that allows me to experience Christ on a deeper level. Um, and so that that's one book that is really impacting me currently at the moment. Um, and then also The Master Plan of Evangelism, which is just a, a phenomenal book. It's, a, it's an oldie but goodie. Um, I think, it, you know, the principles uh, stand the test of time because it's biblical. And so really just, you know, living a life on purpose and mission and making disciples. It's about making disciples. I mean, uh, how, you yeah. know, th- there's... There's some things, you know, I, I don't think any tradition, any background, any denomination, uh, you know, can't argue. And that's one is that we're called to make disciples. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, any any way that I can, um, you know, any book I can get on discipleship and how to make disciples, I, I usually pick up and, and run with. The Lost Art of Discipleship, it's another oldie but goodie. But, you know, once again, it's, it's timeless principles because they're all biblical principles. Dan, thank you so much for being willing to spend some time with me and to in, invest into my life and to our listeners' life. Uh, and thank you for allowing God to mold you to be more like him along the way that he has for you. Amen. Well, thank you so much for having me, John. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed my conversation with Pastor Dan Perkins. I'm glad that Jesus met him along the way and drastically changed his life's direction. When he talked about the way that he experienced God through the pain of his recovery, I was really challenged because I don't like pain. Whenever I'm in pain, I want God to take it away. The thing that Dan said that really challenged me is that God can use the pain for his purpose. I was thinking about it as this is kind of a no U-turns allowed sign. Don't go back to that. He talked about identifying addiction as If you try to stop and you can't, that's really plain and simple. If you try to stop doing something and you can't, you're probably addicted. Addictions don't have to be just illegal drugs or alcohol. It could be something as simple as your daily cup of coffee. That can be very addicting. I try to break free from coffee a few times a year just to make sure that I'm not becoming dependent on it just to make it through my day. 
Sometimes those coffee headaches are a really good reminder that I'm not in as much control as I thought I was. The only thing that I want to be dependent on is my relationship with Jesus. Dan talked about Celebrate Recovery, and if you'd like to find more information about that, you can go to CelebrateRecovery.com. If you'd like more information about the church that Dan is a campus pastor at, please visit BridgeCityPGH.com. The books that Dan recommended were The Incarnation of God, Master Plan of Evangelism, and The Lost Art of Discipleship. I'll be providing links for those in the show notes as well. Thank you for joining me along the way. If you've enjoyed this program, please rate and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at alongtheway.media. I hope you've enjoyed this part of the journey and may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way. Mm-hmm.